Hello there, Zero Brightness listeners. Just letting you know that, guess what? We made a t-shirt. Yes, that's right. A shirt. It looks like an old heavy metal shirt. It celebrates one of the greatest games of all time, Symphony of the Night. You can go to ZeroBrightness.com to order it. Order one. They're cool. We had our friends at Frontrunner Screen Printing make them. They make super high quality stuff. We'd love for you to have one of them. And we'd love for all of us to just be wearing the same shirt in different places, thinking about unity, togetherness, Castlevania. Think about it. Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name is Ali, and today I'm taking on a case like none I've ever seen before. Wow. I was sent this strange email. It had all these notes in it. It was like they were written by a madman. (laughs) It was extolling the virtues of some kind of game called Clock Tower for the PS1, and I couldn't understand any of it because I had played the game and from what I knew it was completely unsalvageable horseshit and somehow somehow this madman had just written all these rantings and ravings about how great it was he kept using the word slaps and and I just don't know what to do I hope I can figure it out gamers clock tower slaps <laughs> yeah we're talking about clock tower for the PS1 it's Clock Tower 2 in Japan and basically everywhere because it's the sequel to Clock Tower. Um, But in America, we got it as just Clock Tower. And how weird is that? This game starts out with a montage from Clock Tower 1 of everything that happened and you just jump right into a sequel. I mean, maybe it would seem like a cool choice if you had never played the original and you didn't know it existed which i'm sure a lot of consumers were in that boat in whatever year this came out in uh anyway before we get too deep into it uh as always this episode is brought to you by you you can go to patreon.com zero brightness to learn more and sign up to help support the show and we're a game club we're going to tell you what we're playing next if you want to play along at home uh which i don't know you know seems like a fun thing to do you can also jump in our discord and chat with us i'm actually currently writing up some notes to help you get started with the next game we're going to cover so we like it when people play along with us and chat with us about games and stuff yeah tell me how much clock tower ps1 slaps oh god you know slaps slaps is such a great 
word for it because you could be saying like it slaps you know the, the the colloquial slang usage it's great but to me it's like yes it slaps it slapped me in the face with how terrible it is it was like getting slapped in the face over and over and over i need some allies in this fight we both agree the clock tower slaps all right where do you want to start with all this all right well previously we've covered clock tower super famicom which is part one great game great game highly experimental especially for its time very cinematic in a strange way seeing that it's a point and click side scroller Mm -hmm. we talked at length about how it's the only giallo game giallo is uh an italian genre of films that are basically like slasher murder mysteries and we talked about how clock tower was directly influenced by Dario Argento's films. I feel like Clock Tower 2 uh, does a lot of the same things. But I think it, it does... You know, if, if Clock Tower 1 was the the action stalking scenes from an Argento film, Clock Tower 2, or Clock Tower PlayStation, is really like a more well-rounded horror film. Because there's there's intermissions from the stalking killing action with more world building and kind of like evidence gathering and things like that which i think is really cool but yeah i lamented that clock tower was the only giallo game well now there's two yeah Yeah. and i mean so i'll just throw this out there now just so i don't totally come off as a broken record i think my big thing with this game is that it is a it is very similar to the original clock tower. Mm -hmm. I think that it just does everything worse, uh, like a lot worse. And it wasn't even uncommon at the time. I don't know how many people have played, how many people listening have played a street fighter EX. Oh yeah. Yeah. Street fighter EX is terrible. And like street fighter EX is kind of the same idea where it's like, well, we just take the same game and put it in 3d. Yeah. Done. And that that move was just not a good one, and the tech wasn't there to have it be the right speed, and everything is just too slow, yeah. and too clunky, and I don't know. I, and and everything they added, I think, kind of pulls away from the core of what I liked about the original. And that's really like, obviously, we're gonna go back and forth on this a lot, but I do think that's like my big thing is like. It's so much like Clock Tower 1 in a nuts and bolts way, but just everything is worse. The jump from 2D to 3D was difficult for a lot of series. And some never really did it right. Arguably, Sonic the Hedgehog still hasn't gotten it right, you know? Yeah, Um, for sure. Some things are meant to be in 2D. Yeah, I mean, that's why I bring it up. It's like, I I don't think that it's unique that a series went from 2D to 3D and the first... 3d one is like horrible <laughs> <laughs> like it was kind of a a common a common thing mm-hmm. i guess this is a good place to bring up too that like m- my disdain for this game <laughs> is mostly because like i said i think it's a shittier version of the original and i th- don't really find anything compelling in its like aesthetics or quote-unquote story hmm. or anything like that but i'm also not like the biggest Argento fan or the Mm. biggest Jalo fan. Like it's not my shit. And I totally get that. It's like your shit. You know what I mean? And like some people love that style 
and aesthetic like the drummer of one of the bands i'm in die like he totally loves he, he loves horror in general but he like really loves that kind of style and aesthetic and like he's always kind of throwing shit out there for us to do that's in that style and aesthetic and like i totally get it because i like it and i like you know suspiria and you know some of the greatest hits but i'm not the biggest fan like i love the music i love his best movies and his worst movies mm. everything in between is like I don't really ever want to look at it. I mean, I tried to watch Phenomena for the last Clock Tower episode, and I was like, <laughs> I had to slam it shut on that one. I was like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> well, so here's my thing for all you Argento fans out there. If Clock Tower Super Nintendo was Phenomenon meets Suspiria, Clock Tower for PlayStation is Deep Red. Um, it's... Well, there are supernatural elements, but it feels more grounded in real life. You know, there are scenes like Deep Red where it's like a busy newsroom or you're at the police station getting interviewed. Yeah. I mean, I respect the grind of them trying to make it bigger and open up the world. They definitely are going for that with this game. And this game has a real, like, 1980s look to it. Um, Like, down to the character's clothing and uh, the big chunky blocky computers that are in certain scenes and yeah it just has a real 80s horror vibe which i really loved um everything is 3d now um so it kind of looks like uh dioramas so like they like take one wall away and you're looking at it in a 2.5d perspective um, sometimes your character will go into the foreground or background a little bit to get around obstacles and things, but it, it really still boils down to like point and click gameplay. Um, but yeah, the three, I think the three, D looks nice. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, I just, I thought the look of this game was just really bland like, I don't think you get any characters or environments that look interesting or have atmosphere at all until hmm. the end. Like, so there's three, in any given playthrough, there's three scenarios, which yeah. will break down in a minute, I'm sure, because there's a whole thing. Yeah. But, like, the third scenario takes place in, like, an old castle, and mm-hmm. that one has really cool environments and atmosphere. The rest of it, I didn't feel it did. I thought it was really bland i just didn't even want to look at it the interludes (laughs) similarly just bland and i mean once again i'm coming from the perspective of really liking the original the original had so much atmosphere it had so much sauce like Mm. everything looked amazing everything was so like dark and rich that like you get a little bit of that in the third scenario but everything else was just so boring like this game just bored me visually like I, you know, and I don't care if the 3D is good or not or whatever. It's just like, it's just like, I didn't want to look at it, you know. Like as opposed to something like Echo Knight, I thought Echo Knight actually came really close to kind of having a similar aesthetic to the original Clock Tower, but in 3D in the PS1 look, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to disagree there. Um, <laughs> it, it tries to be really cinematic. The whole game is in widescreen, and it's heavily letterboxed. Uh, That does come to be a negative, though, because that just means it's, like, half as many pixels. And it's super, super chonky. Um, The game runs at a higher frame rate than the animations. 
so the animations are choppy um on top of like a smooth camera pan which is kind of like real primitive looking and to me charming uh all the characters are like super ugly and chonky which i like i don't know yeah nolan has a very powerful fupa that i really love <laughs> oh i didn't now see now i have to replay it for that fupa action <laughs> it's so powerful it's so <laughs> commanding he's just nice. so manly you know and there's a there's a huge cast of minor and major characters this time um you get two different gameplay scenarios through a sort of like cryptic way you can choose which character to play as either jennifer the 16 year old girl from the previous game who was 15 in the previous game or helen um an assistant uh psychologist so that's pretty cool um uh, in the second scenario, you play as a male character, um, which can either be a reporter or a cop, depending on what scenario you're playing through. And just like the original game, there's a bunch of endings. Uh, there are 10 endings. Just like the first game, you can lead to early endings for the game. Um, like, say, you miss a really important story item before you leave an area. Basically, it's like, oh, well, the Scissor Man killings were never solved, and like the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole bunch of weird little triggers and stuff, just like the first game, mm -hmm. too. Like, which scenario you play um, or what happens next in your story is tied to a lot of very weird small triggers, and you can pick up hints throughout yeah. the game that tell you what the triggers are i thought that was a cool idea because the first game was structured in such a way that every playthrough could be totally different but you could also end up just getting really similar playthroughs every time this mm -hmm. one they at least like drop these hints so if you were really into it and you wanted to go back and get different scenarios you can yeah and you couldn't save in the original in this one you can save anywhere and that's huge um, yeah, that's a, that was actually really nice because I, I mean I didn't even know what was going on until like I died and then I just got reloaded at the last room mm. I was in. That that's a thing too that there's like a checkpoint. Nice. So it's Zelda style where if you die you just kind of get put in the last door you walk through. It's compatible with the PlayStation One mouse, and actually all of the PS One Clock Tower games are compatible with the PlayStation mouse all two of them there's three. <laughs> oh, that's right there's a re-release um yeah clock tower the first fear which is the super nintendo one they added some cutscenes and things uh this one and then clock tower ghost head which was released as clock tower 2 the struggle within in america yeah and this game definitely could use mouse support. I was kind of sad that there wasn't any easy workaround to get that working in the emulator I was using. Mm, yeah. Just because, like, I don't know. I feel like the first one actually worked really well with controller. Like, I think having the movement just be mapped to two buttons did a lot for that. So you weren't having to do too much point and clicking. In this game, it is 100% point and click. Like, the movement is point and click, and mm -hmm. the environmental interaction is point and click. So, got a little clunky. Well, the, the pixel hunting was easier on the Super Nintendo version, too, because the items were more obvious. Yeah. In this one, you kind of just, like, hover over things until the cursor snaps to something, 
and then that's yeah. when you know something's interactable. Uh, that does make it hard harder to find crucial items for sure. Yeah, it's super clunky, and it definitely makes it so that you want to just play it with a guide. But I mean, I don't know. That's so just like PS One. Like yeah, you know everything we've been playing for this PS One jag where Hans unofficial <laughs> PS One uh, run. You just remember how like obtuse finding items was in these games, and it's like crazy. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so some background. Um, Hifumi Kono, the director of the original, he wasn't really interested in making a sequel to the original Clock Tower, but once the 32-bit console started rolling out, he was kind of impressed by the technical possibilities. So he started whiteboarding it, and um, it was really between you know the Saturn and PlayStation, and he decided to go for the PlayStation, which is probably a good move. Um, the 64 was on the horizon too, but it was kind of too far off to start development on. Resident Evil dropped really early in the PS1's life, and the team was heavily inspired by that and wanted to make something on par with that visually. Your mileage may vary on the opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once again, nah. <laughs> I wonder how it would have fared if it had uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that because, yeah, like I'm playing Galerians for the next episode and like I love the backgrounds in that game mm. um, and it's just got that pre-rendered sauce, dude. And all the games like that do, like all the horror games with pre-rendered backgrounds, it's just got so much more sauce because they can do lighting effects and they can do different things like that with a static background. Uh, Fear Effect actually probably has the craziest like animated pre-rendered backgrounds of any of these games and and that game's atmosphere is kind of one of the only good things about it mm, yeah well so the this one was made by a, like a 30 person team and kono had a quote-unquote material first mindset to it as opposed to game system first mindset i i think they really just wanted to like build out the environments and everything before they worried about gameplay at all which is probably to its detriment yeah that tracks yeah, <laughs> um, the the pre-rendered animations are pretty cool. There's some real primitive pre-rendered stuff from this era, and it does look kind of nice in here, especially the opening cinematic. It's well edited, and the soundtrack slaps. Like, again, it's just Goblin Worship, but with PlayStation synths instead of Super Nintendo synths. Yeah, that's another thing we don't agree on. Like, I don't think the soundtrack is bad by any means, but it feels like an action movie version of the first game soundtrack. Mm. I just felt like the music in the first game was more atmospheric and more memorable. Like, the stuff in this game was just kind of there. Well, I saw that you wrote that in the notes, so I went back and actually, like, actively listened to it. And... I don't know, there's some good tracks on here. And it does actually remix the themes from the first game, too, in a really cool way. So I mean, you might want to give it a chance. Like, if you hate the game, you might like the soundtrack a little. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I just thought, like, yeah, it's obviously just, like, Goblin Worship. They're trying to make an Argento yeah. soundtrack. I just, felt, I just felt like the music in the first one was better. Like, mm. maybe just because it was more different from a straight-up goblin track because they mm -hmm. had to use a super famicom synths and also like dude super nintendo synth sounds are like so banging 
I have like in the software synth that I use the most in Pro Tools, I have like so many patches that are named after different Super Nintendo games. Nice. Because I just wanted to go in and like, like link to the past string sound. Yeah. Come on. This shit rules. Well, that makes sense that you like the Super Nintendo synth sound so much because we've already determined that you hate treble. Yes. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Yeah. My guitar sound is the Super Nintendo to like 99% of <laughs> guitar players Sega Genesis. Perfect. The game got a pretty mediocre reception, but it did sell half a million copies. Mm-hmm. Um, people liked the spooks, but you know the game is just inherently flawed. Um, uh, people criticize the slow pace most of all. Yeah, and I could totally see playing this game when it came out in '96 or '97 and being into it or being impressed with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is impressive. I mean, it took like kind of a batshit gameplay idea from the original game and then blew it up into like a 3d ps1 version of that same idea it's like okay that's kind of cool like that would be impressive i mean it's just that it's just not actually fun to play (laughs) and i don't actually think the content in there in terms of like the story and dialogue and stuff is good at all so it's like okay there's a big debate kind of happening in the world of like retro games and retro gamers about whether or not like something holding up or you know standing up to the test of time does it age well yeah like if any of those phrases or ideas are even valid because of course they are (laughs) well i mean i i agree but i think that also there's a strong argument that everything has to be put like into historical context you know totally yeah which i i see both sides of that argument but i think ultimately there's really just like a gut level is something fun to play right mm-hmm. yeah because like sure. you can go back and play like a super primitive game and it's really fun right yeah. it's yeah. just like oh wow this is actually or like you know a lot of nes games that you keep returning to are the ones that are like really good and really fun and you're not going back and playing like the really shitty platformers and stuff you know mm-hmm. so i when you get into the ps1 era it's even more confusing because like there are games that people loved just because they were impressive for the time. And then there's games that people loved because they're actually good, you know? <laughs> and then there's yeah. games that are like a weird mix of both. Like playing Galerians actually is making me think of Parasite Eve a lot. And it's mm. really funny because I super love both of those games, but also playing them now is really funny because it's like, wow, they thought these FMV cutscenes were like so good, you yeah. know? And yeah. like, they super aren't like they're cool but they also kind of look like shit yeah well that's the fun of revisiting this playstation one games they're just a time capsule to 1996 yeah you can't help but love that oh no i I do but i like i said i also i i'm willing to extend even to games i don't like the idea that like this would have been really cool and really impressive or you know i felt i had more of this experience with old pc games Mm. like we've talked a little bit about the old like pc fmv horror games on here yeah yeah like god when i was a kid i just was enraptured by those games because i just couldn't even believe it was real i was like this is insane you know or like yeah and so when you go back to him now you're like okay this super doesn't hold up because it's just not mm-hmm. fun to play it's just not enjoyable you well know? speaking of fmv games 
this game in Japan released around the same time as Enemy Zero, which is the sequel to D. Um, and so they kind of did like a marketing rivalry between the two. And yeah. video game stores across Japan would lay out copies of Clock Tower next to Enemy Zero to kind of like boost sales for both. Yeah. Well, it's super funny too because it's like comparing like Hifumi Kono, whose games are all kind of like flawed but interesting, to Kenji Eno, whose games are all like flawed but interesting and ultimately <laughs> most of the stuff they made was like terrible like d is terrible kind of and like i haven't yeah. played enemy zero but it seems kind of terrible d2 is the exact same thing mm-hmm. where it's like this is very interesting but it's also like terrible this is weird weird that that happened you know yeah so just a hint on this like jalo thing again in, in the film Deep Red, it's about a writer who's being stalked by a killer and a journalist who's kind of like charming and wisecracking tries to solve the mystery before everybody gets fucking murdered. Clock Tower 2 is like so much like that formula that it's kind of impossible to ignore. People don't really say this online though. This is sort of like my take on it. But I feel like if you watch Deep Red and play Clock Tower back to back, um the influences are kind of unmistakable oh yeah well even like just the whole vibe and the way it looks and everything it looks so much like a like a b-tier argento movie yeah the feel of it it's it's undeniable yeah the world building and character building too but like you know the reporter asks the cute girl out on the date and they say yes and all this blah 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 just like it's just horror movie stuff you know and it's it just builds that world you know let's talk about the flow of the game a bit because it's really weird and unique and kind of fucked up the game starts out in a prologue where you're a um a professor of criminal psychology and reporters are waiting downstairs to talk to you about the clock tower killings um you start as a guy named samuel barton He's in charge of Jennifer's treatments. Jennifer was the victim and survivor of the clock tower killings from the first game, also known as Jennifer Connolly. Um, so uh, Samuel and Helen are basically in charge of Jennifer's treatment. Helen is the other playable character. The way you choose whether to play as Helen or Jennifer is if while you're Samuel, you talk to one of your other assistants either once or twice, which is like the most veiled and secret character selection screen of all time. Yeah, it's also frustrating because this game is so fucking slow that like you, okay, not you. I'm gonna move to the first person because I don't know, right? (laughs) Me, I, I got into the habit of just like mashing X while sighing really hard. And so I usually end up like investigating everything more than once just because I would be like, oh my God, are you actually going there? Like, please fucking go there. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So I definitely talked to the creepy little research assistant twice. And then I was like, okay, I guess. And then I read that online. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm Jennifer. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can pick up hint number one in uh, in the prologue area. And hint number one tells you that. 
But can you look at those while you're playing, or is it only no. from the start menu? You yeah. have to go to the main menu to read them. Yeah. See, that was when I picked up the first... I got the first one. It's kind of hard to miss. And yeah. then I was like, oh, is this like a document? Or like, what am I looking at? And I couldn't find it. And then the next time I started the game, I saw it, and I was like, oh, would have been cool to look at that. This game is meant to be replayed, started over... Yeah. But yeah, I can see what you're saying about the dialogue. The dialogue is glacially slow, and there's no way to speed it up. It's kind of so, like Earthbound, yeah. but worse. Oh, it's so much worse. Like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about what this game actually is for a second. Okay. So, yeah, like you're saying, there's basically there's a prologue, and then there are three scenarios. And before each scenario, there's like an interlude. Yeah. Um, and the interlude is basically just a world map where you pick a place to go and then you have conversations with people Mm -hmm. yeah and then the scenarios are just like the original clock tower game where you are playing as a character trying to explore an environment and escape from scissor man the weird masked limping killer who's out to get you snip snip yeah angus young yeah uh we we like to call him sizzy now sizzy (laughs) good old sizzy (laughs) good old sizzy uh, so, yeah, the the thing that sucks is that because of that flow, you spend a lot of time just in these scenarios talking to people. Um, mm-hmm. And so everything in this game is super slow. Like, we'll talk about the gameplay itself when you're in the scenarios, but even in these in-between in stages where you're just talking to people, basically the dialogue scrolls super slowly <laughs> spelling everything out letter by letter and then scrolling a line up really slowly mm-hmm. like I, I, I can't impress upon you how slow it goes and once again if you're me you're just like mashing X and like waiting <laughs> to die yeah. um, but the, the thing that really sucks is that it, I felt like while it was happening, I was like, I feel like this is timed to voice acting that isn't here. And then later in the game, right. randomly voice acting starts happening, happening <laughs> yeah. at random times. And so it's like, what is this fucking game? Like instead of a, an RPG that's partially voiced where like, you know, that dialogue scrolls slow, but the rest of it scrolls fast. It's just mm-hmm. all scrolls slow. Yeah. And it's just horrible. I, f- I find that it was like more frequent than not than when it wants you to like flip a page of text, but then like that second page will only have like one last word on it. Yeah. <laughs> that happened all the time. It's like it was taunting me. Yeah, exactly. It was like, I know that you're doing this on like a night you have off and you're just trying to like waste as little time as possible. <laughs> Guess what? We're wasting time, baby. The, the dialogue trees are the real antagonist of this game. Oh my god, dude. Well, and it's even like if it had all been voiced, I could sort of get it. Cause like well, Yeah. But it's like super not. Well, the dialogue is bad and the voice acting is exceptionally bad. Yeah. So Well, when the voice acting starts happening, it's it's all it's jarring because it's awful but it's also a relief because it's like oh well at least this text speed looks normal now because it's like <laughs> timed to people actually talk because you can read way faster than people can talk yeah 
I wonder if it was written better in uh, Japanese. Because no, I, I know because no. I know there's there was even like novelizations and shit. I, I'm just curious to know if they like really like ruined the dialogue in this game. But like, it wasn't a style thing. It was like style and content. Like nobody ever says anything. Like <laughs> the first scenario, all the dialogue is Scissor Man isn't real. And then the second scenario, all the dialogue is Scissor Man isn't real. <laughs> Well, and then just like this is like i don't understand it because it's all just like small talk and nonsense and vague pleasantries it drove me up the wall well uh, you 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 hinted on something at the beginning of this game um the whole scissor man thing is a year in the past scissor man has kind of become like an urban legend like the scream guy and you can even go to the store and buy like a scissor man mask in the game mm-hmm. i think yeah. that's kind of cool i like that that's a cool idea, but they don't do anything with it. They don't do anything with anything. <laughs> and also like having to read it at like a glacial pace just really saps any sort of tension the idea could have had. That's okay. like the Okay. <laughs> That's everything in this game. Everything happens so slow that you're just like, Am I supposed to be scared? Like, is this supposed to be tense? Like, what is this? I feel like the creepy moments were all kind of early in the game. There's a part in the beginning when uh, Jennifer is like being stalked down a dark street by Scissor Man, and that was legitimately creepy. And but that's even before like the first uh, scenario where you're actually running and hiding from him. It's like a cutscene. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of the horror stuff that is kind of jump scary is actually sort of fucking hilarious it's so funny i mean it's just it's laughable if (laughs) this game hasn't completely crushed your spirit and made you forget what joy and laughter are which that's that's what happened to me so if you've played a point and click adventure game like a dynamics point and click lately like uh rise of the dragon or willy beamish or something I mean, I think it's on par with something like that's pace because you have to wait for the animations to load and like they'll basically the characters will basically like prep themselves like they'll run to the front of the door and then like get in position until the door animation starts. <laughs> things like that. The The problem with it, though, is that this game is all timing based and it's supposed to be tense. And that's kind of what's what's interesting about the entire Clock Tower series is that. They're timing-based, and they're tense, and they're action-based, but there's no combat. And what was super cool about the original is that it took this very old-school 2D point-and-click adventure game template and made it so that it was tense and scary, and it relied on your timing, right? Because that's that's why you can't do like a real tense thriller horror thing as a point-and-click adventure game, because it's not based on your timing. It's based on the animations. Mm. So that's why this game, one of the reasons this game doesn't work for me because it's still on that level of like, it's tense and you're running out of time and scissor man's behind you. But yeah, the animations are so goofy and like 
Like you're running for a door and instead of even just having your character run into the door and it go black, like your character runs up to the door and then centers themselves and, yeah. you know, like combs <laughs> their hair and puts their shoulders back and prepares to go through the door and then valiantly strides through the door. And at that point, Scissorman's slow ass may have actually be like chopping your character model in half, but it like doesn't matter. It doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't, it's just like so funny and I don't know. It's like all the things it's trying to do, like tension and atmosphere and stuff, just fall flat because it's just so shitty. Well, speaking of slow-paced PC point-and-click adventures, um, like Sierra games, you can f- miss uh, really important items and actually use one-time-only items that disappear forever, and oh, it will okay. kind of lead you to a dead game. Ugh. Yeah. And the credits will roll early. Yeah, that's just not good. <laughs> now, the hints that you pick up, if, you, if you're you know, sleuthy enough to pick up the hints, it will tell you about these items and triggers, but again, you can only get, them, get to them from the main menu. So you basically have to like get game over or like reset or something to read them. Yeah, and that's just bad. That's bad design. It's going to screw you on the first playthrough. It's it's very old school. I mean, thinking back on those old Sierra games, I mean, some of them are so obtuse and unfair with their puzzles that you really would need a guide to finish them. And this is on par with that. So I don't know how more unforgivable this is than something like king's quest or leisure suit larry is you know yeah but that sucks like i have no interest in replaying any of those games for that reason like that just sucks like that was the worst part and if you remember being a kid and getting to that point in the game it was like (laughs) heartbreaking it was like fuck like this sucks and it's meant for replayability i mean but here's here's the thing the original clock tower did it better because you we talked about it in that episode it is maybe impossible if not almost impossible to get a dead game because the game is so well designed and everything is so well laid out that you can fuck things up and still get a real ending not you could just at least like, get a shitty ending instead of a dead game yeah i see what you're yeah saying. yeah like you don't get a dead game and that's why this game feels like a huge step backwards yeah like you're saying back into that like sierra games ultra hard unfair bullshit world now you know? i'm not 100 percent sure if it's possible to get a dead game in this one um i got an early game over in the second scenario because i missed an important item but i never got a dead game so yeah it's still just like the missing a one item early on fucks you thing mm-hmm. i'm just not down yeah like that's just shitty and like i said it's just that like everything in this game it feels like the first one was so much more elegant and well made mm-hmm. and like everything was just simpler and worked better it's basically like uh this is basically like they pimped my ride this game (laughs) like with pimp my ride some people would bring in a car that was just like kind of old and beat up but it ran Mm -hmm. and then the pimp my ride guys would be like 
okay so we put in a bunch of tv screens and like a refrigerator and we put in like some ps2s and like all this and like look at it go but it doesn't actually run anymore and like when you try to turn on the lights like the refrigerator explodes and like mm-hmm. you can't actually drive it anywhere or do anything with it that's kind of what this game does to the design of the original clock tower they pimped it dude they yeah they pimped that ride wow what a segue um, <laughs> are we talking about exhibit now is that what the segue yes. was into uh we're going to talk about uh pimp my ride season 12 the best season of pimp ride ride <laughs> Star- <laughs> I, I did not know there were individual seasons i thought it was just <laughs> one long hell ride one long show for three years straight on mtv 12 hell yeah dude yeah anyways okay so back to these scenarios uh, there are three. Um, the first one's on a university campus. The second one's on some old dude's log cabin. And the third one's in a giant castle. Um, the first two are comparatively small compared to the first game. But then I, the third castle is about on par with the size of the first clock tower, I would say. Um, so you do get more length there. I would say that the third chapter, the castle, is not charming as the first one. I would say that my favorite chapter of the game would probably be the second one, the log cabin. Just because it has this, like, 80s modern feel. You know, like, wood paneling. There's a CRT television that you can catch Scissor Man watching cartoons on. Or you can have a drink at the bar, like a real 80s horror hero, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I like the stage design in this game. I know you're a hater, but it's so chonky and there's like 12 polygons per stage. I love it. I just thought it was really bland. Like the university is pretty bland. I mean, it's yeah, just, but some of the rooms in there are really cool. There's a real cinematic moment where you're in the computer room and scissor man shows up and he starts like coming towards you and the camera's dynamic. And then all the computers turn on and they start flashing kill. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. But then also in there is like a room with like bunk beds for some reason Mm -hmm. where you can take the bed sheet off and throw it over his head. (laughs) And then he gets caught in it and he just thrashes around on the floor in the bed sheet. And it looks stupid. Mm -hmm. It is stupid when you think about it. And it just drove me nuts. Okay, so one thing that I think is also worse in this game is that there are less hiding spots or interaction points. Yes. So, but so like you usually end up just running back to the same ones. So, for example, in that one, the bathroom was always like the go-to yeah. because either he would always leave you alone or he would like wait outside the stall and you could still get away. Mhm. But the problem is that it takes forever to go anywhere because everything is so slow uh, that like getting to the bathroom took forever. And then if he's waiting outside the stall, the music doesn't stop, but he also doesn't come in. So you can literally just stand there for as long as you want. I think I stood there for like five minutes. Oh God. And I was just like waiting for it to stop. And I was like, is this a bug or like what's going on? And then I just like came outside and he was like there and uh, yeah it just like it was so much shittier and less inventive like once again with the original clock tower i felt like i was always moving through the house and using the environment in different ways i felt like Mm. it was rare for me to have to use the same hiding spot twice 
it frequently made that impossible. Um, well, in this game, it feels like they made all the hiding spots for Scissor Man and not for the player. It's just really boring and repetitive. Well, there are less hiding spots, but there are more items for you to pick up and immediately fight back with. Like, you can grab a fire extinguisher off the wall and spray it in his face and then run off. Or do the thing, like, with the sheet and throw it over his head and run off. Yeah, um, I just didn't like it because it was, it was weird. It was hard to figure out. It relied more on click hunting, which, it, once it again, does. If, you're not, yeah. if you're not using the mouse, is not fun. Um, I didn't like it. I also feel like the panic feature is super broken in this game so like in the original game you had a panic button where if you were being attacked you could mash it to escape Mm -hmm. and it was pretty balanced it was like if you were pressing it really fast you had a 50 50 chance like you might push him over and run past him you might get killed in this game it was like zero to a hundred so in my first scenario when i was jennifer it never worked not once like i got killed twice because i just couldn't get to work and then when i was Nolan in the second scenario, big burly Fupa King. Um, <laughs> I like punched him out multiple times. Like, wow. which once again, it was just like, well, there goes the tension here. Cause anytime he comes at me, I'm just going to fucking suplex his ass and punch him in the face. And well, that's like, interesting because I never died as Jennifer, but he got me as Nolan like three times. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's just a weird, like digital dice roll or it is. It's orange. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it just felt so much more, like, balanced uh, to me in the, uh, like, in the first game as opposed to in the second game. Mm. Once again, I just didn't understand why in the first scenario I lost every time I panicked. Second scenario, I won every time I panicked. And then, randomly, in the third scenario, I never saw Scissor Man. That's so weird, because he, like... And bothered me incessantly the entire time. Yeah, it's so funny. But let's, okay, let's slow down a little bit. We're getting ahead of ourselves because we're assuming the listener knows what this game is. And, you know, I, I pray that they don't. Uh, so let's tell them <laughs> what it is. Okay, so, so Clock Tower, similar to the original, it's basically a point-and-click adventure game except it's timing and reaction based. So you are being chased by a killer. If the killer appears, you have to run away. You have to get away. Otherwise you die. So the big change in the interface between the first and second game is in the first game, the movement was tied to like shoulder button presses. Yeah. So you were like pressing a direction to run in that direction. And so it, it you didn't have direct, control over the character but it gave you a little bit more of the illusion that you did mm-hmm. um which you know it is what it is i liked it in this game that is out the window it's all point and click and like james alluded to earlier the environments are more like 3d dioramas so it's more like you have to click around all over these environments to a get your character to move somewhere and b find items or hiding places or things you can use to fight back right Mm -hmm. so that's how you play the game you basically have either a side scrolling or a sort of like 45 degree scrolling diorama view of a room you're clicking or double clicking on places for your character to go to it and interact with it that's how you play the game and like you mentioned you need to go through, you have to search everything multiple times. You have to make sure you don't miss anything. 
because otherwise you might not be able to finish the game. Yeah, you definitely need the can of oil in chapter one <laughs> for a door in chapter three. Yeah. So write that down. <laughs> write that in your diary, Laura. So in the first two scenarios, it's pretty straightforward. It's like you were saying, it's like a bite-sized version of what you do in the original clock tower. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one thing that is kind of cool is that making the environment smaller also makes it more focused. So you have, uh, you have an objective. So like in the first scenario scenario, you're trying to escape the building. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you can, unlike in the original game where you're like, I'm going to escape. And it's like two hours later, you know. <laughs> but uh, in the second scenario, you're trying to find an item in this person's house. And so you know, like, okay, I have to do that. Once I do that, I get out. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then the third scenario is very similar, but it's a bigger environment. So you're trying to escape, but it's a larger place. Um, so that's cool. Now, what isn't cool... <laughs> is that with this new focus on point and click, you really are watching, or it feels more like you're watching totally. more than you're playing. Totally. And the game speed is so slow. So you remember what I said about the dialogue earlier? That applies <laughs> to all the animations and the way your character moves. So like, when you're running from Scissor Man, it's like comical because it's like it's in slow motion. And like the that's its own thing. I didn't like that and I thought it was boring. But what really got under my skin was that it made the backtracking really, really horrible. So especially in the first scenario, because that's when I had the most aggressive Scissor Man, it mm. would be like I'm you're working your way up four by floor by floor, and I think there's four floors. Mm -hmm. And you're like up on the fourth floor and you need to go back down to the second because that has the safest bathroom which i mean that was relatable to me like <laughs> i went to high school and college in places that had like huge 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 campuses mm -hmm. so like sometimes you'd be like god i really need to get to the good bathroom and it's oh, like yeah. super far away and you're like oh fuck this dude seventh floor of the library i oh, call yeah. i called it my fortress of solitude oh yeah Oh, totally. It's like the place where you can like literally go and do drugs and no one will stop you. It's amazing. Exactly. Um, or just like take like a shit that takes forever or whatever you want to do. I don't know. Fucking play Game Boy. I don't know. Whatever, dude. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's like you have to go back down to the second floor and because you're being chased by Scissor Man and it's like it takes so long that it's not about the tension. It's not about the excitement. It's just about how fucking boring it is. Okay, well, I didn't have to go from the fourth floor to the second. I picked up the key early, and I went straight out of the fourth floor roof, and everything was okay. But see, this is this is what I'm saying, though. I, so <laughs> the end of the game is very bad strategy guide bait, but oh, I sort of yeah. feel low-key that the whole game is kind of strategy guide bait, and... I have been trying to figure out how I feel about that design choice because I really haven't thought about it much until we started doing the show and we played a few games that were like total strategy guide bait, you know? Mm. And also I replayed Final Fantasy VII not that long ago and like the middle part of Final Fantasy VII is maybe the worst like strategy guide required <laughs> stretch of a video game ever. It's like you're either expected to play that game for an additional 10 hours or just have a strategy guide you know and like i feel like this game has that problem real real bad i think you're just not giving enough credit to the old brutal point and click adventures like these are the kind of games that you're supposed to like 
actually get notepad paper out and like write down like hints and clues and stuff. I mean, the big box PC people, like that was kind of like what they did. Games were just super obtuse in that genre. And I think I'm with it. Like I'm with it. I just think that it sucks in this game. Like it's not (laughs) that you had to puzzle it out. It's that like you just, okay, here's my thing. I'll never dog on a game for being obtuse. Like I said, we'll talk about it next week. Galerians is maybe the most obtuse game we've played for the show. Like I'm writing a fucking strategy guide. Last episode, you said fucking you don't like even dogging on games, period. Yeah, I'm, I don't take enjoyment from it. Like it doesn't make me happy, but this game hurt me. <laughs> but okay, here's what, here's what I'm trying to say. I'll never dog on a game for being obtuse. To me, let me define what I mean by strategy guide bait. I'm saying a game that you just truly would not know what to do unless you had a strategy guide like there's no way to puzzle it through there's no way to think it through you just have to know or get lucky so yeah nothing tells you that you need an oil can for the end of the game at the beginning of the game there's no reason why like that's the kind of shit i'm talking about and Mm -hmm. so what what i was getting at earlier is that like i've really been trying to figure out how i feel about it and this game made me realize that i hate that design style i absolutely hate it I think it sucks, and it especially sucks when you play a game that is very obtuse, but you can play the whole thing without a strategy guide, like Echo Knight, that you realize that you really don't fucking need that kind of design, and it's only there to slow players down, to make them play your game more, or back in the day, it was there to buy a strategy guide, because that was big business. Yeah, I think it's a delicate balance between signposting what the hell you need to do and then keeping the game a mystery because you definitely don't want to keep the player just like running around in the circle like getting frustrated at the game yeah and that's the thing so like i mean like i really like galerians i'm having a really good time playing it and that game is obtuse as hell but like i have a notepad i'm taking notes on everything and it's actually making the experience really fun that's totally how i would play silent hill that's how i'd play most classic survival horror games but yeah, when a game is just not telling you anything, mm. it's and and it's like in a way where you would need to have a guide. It's very very frustrating. I feel like Clock Tower is trying to like get the player to do like a perfect run. You know what I mean? Like you've gone through it fifteen times and then you figured out the perfect run. But I think the problem is the pacing is so slow. Like no one's gonna really want to do that. Yeah. Um, that yeah and like the story is just there's nothing there there's no content like <laughs> it's just pleasantries and nonsense and like at the end there's like a twist like do i was the killer all along and it's so fucking stupid and makes no sense and it's like what <laughs> why like why would you revisit this ever <laughs> in in the first game there was twins one was scissor man and one was like this like giant baby in the basement you torch it to death and then like somehow it's like reborn as a regular looking child and so is that what happened yes okay i didn't get that it's the big giant baby and (laughs) and so this reborn regular looking child is adopted into the same orphanage as jennifer was Okay. And so that's what happens. The uh, 
her care, his caretaker brings the kid to the same town as Jennifer and they can like relive trauma or whatever. I don't know. That's so weird. Just why? Like, (laughs) why? Why is the giant baby the regular kid? Why did any of this happen? (laughs) It would have been cooler if it was like more of a scream thing where like a mega fan or something became the killer. You right? Well, totally. And also, I mean, yeah. Okay. So when you start playing this game, you get heavy scream vibes from the interludes. Like I was actually thinking, it's like, oh, it's, it's a lot like scream or like maybe something more like scream four or something, mm. uh, which is a great movie, by the way, if you haven't watched scream four ever or lately, you totally should great movie. Um, and then it just goes on and there's no drama. There's no intrigue. There's no character development. Nobody says anything memorable or worthwhile. So like, yeah, when you get to the end, first of all, they start killing characters and you're like, okay, like, Oh, they killed the cameraman. Oops. Like I don't (laughs) fucking care. Uh, but then you get to the end and there's like this big reveal and you're just like, what? There's no, like, what was that? There's no development. There's no like, hinting that maybe one of them is evil or whatever i mean i have expected it to just be like echo night where it's like it was just a demon or something Mm. and instead it was like kind of a whodunit but i don't i don't get it (laughs) i don't know it's just fun to explore around and get chased every once in a while and pick up items and stuff that's fun (laughs) and it's all just gangly and grotesque i love it I just like I hated watching the characters do anything <laughs> so slowly. It was just so infuriating to me. Like I just wanted them to stop. I do think it's hilarious that um scenario 3 starts with you collecting every single person you've met throughout the entire game and they all agree to fly from Oslo to England to go check out this castle. And so the castle is populated by every character you've met in the game, like Scooby-Doo gang or something. Yeah, and they all get separated and captured, so you have to run around and find them all to get the good ending. Yeah, so scenario three is just like, it's really big, and it's unclear on what you're supposed to do. But yeah, you have to find all ten people before they get murdered by Scissor Man. Yeah. It would be really hard to figure out if you didn't have a guide. Yeah, exactly. And so that, okay, here's, here was my experience with the game, right? Like I booted up ready for some clock tower. So I, I'd played the game before, uh, back in the day and I really didn't like it. Uh, but I don't think I finished it because I was just like, this is lame. I'm not going to play it. Uh, and so I went into it again and I was like, well, maybe I'm, more mature now and i can enjoy this game that is clearly aged like a fine wine you know (laughs) aged like red lobster leftovers (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) so i started playing it and i i i played the intro and i was like "Uh, all right we're gonna have some problems and then i played the first interlude and i was like what is this and then i played the first scenario and i played that vanilla right so like Mm. The only thing I did was that I used save states because it was easier for me to load an earlier point than it was to walk down the stairs because it takes so fucking long. Um, but I played that. No guy. It do be like no, that, though. <laughs> it, it do. 
And so I, I played it, no guide, no nothing. And then I got through it and I was like, well, fuck this game. This is horrendous. Uh, I'm going to just use a guide for the rest of it. And so I used a guide for the second scenario, um, which I didn't really need ultimately because it was really straightforward. And like I said, I just punched out Scissor Man every time he came up to me. Um, but then I got to the third scenario and I looked at the guide and the guide was like insane. It looked like yep. a choose your own adventure novel. Yep. And it was like super complicated. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to use the guide for this. And I did. And I got the good ending, but yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's like you go around before it collecting all your friends. <laughs> uh, it's comical because some of these people you've never really seen at all in the game. <laughs> well, they're from the B scenario. They're from the Helm scenario. Some of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just funny. Cause it's like, I don't know who the fuck this is even, but I guess they're with me. And then we go to the mansion and we're all stuck there. And then, yeah, you have to go through and it's just super strategy guide bait. There's no way you could find everyone on your own. There's some characters that are so hidden that even if you find the room, you have to know to do certain things, you know, to like find them. Mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. And I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why you would do that unless you just wanted people to either fail or you wanted them to buy a strategy guide. I love it. <laughs> why though? Tell <laughs> explain, please just stop saying that and explain to me why I'm so lost. James, I can't get inside your head at all. Love is irrational. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just a great like time capsule. You know, I feel like it's, it's creaky and janky, but, uh, and I mean, like games like Hugo's House of Horrors don't have like good stories, but they're still fun despite being super janky. This game isn't fun though. Like that's the thing; it's not fun. It's just fun. like torturing. I found yourself. fun. <laughs> Explain to me the fun. I don't know. I like crappy things sometimes. I like crappy horror movies too. Uh, but like sometimes crappy things are fun. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just like thought this game sucked. Like I thought it was just. <laughs> <laughs> I could okay. see like here's the thing okay right because I, I feel like I'm going crazy because we do advocate for a lot of stuff that kind of sucks right sure and I think what it comes down to for me is that I want something cool and interesting along with all the stupid crap mm. and I that's what I was missing in this game was something cool and interesting and also the moment to moment super could not hold my attention it was it was just drudgery well, it is more of what I wanted in a way because I wanted another like Argento game and it does give you those vibes. Um I mean, it does does it play as well as the first one? No. Is it as well written as the first one? I mean, maybe they're both pretty badly written. But there uh, there really isn't a lot of dialogue or anything in the first game. That's okay, so here's another thing we talk about on this show a lot that is totally my stance on like all art, which is that creators should play to their strengths, right? Like if you're good at this one thing, don't force yourself to do this other thing or include this other thing just because you feel like you have to. Mm. So the first game didn't have long interludes where you had slow conversations with people and you actually thought about the writing you never need to think about the writing in that game because there's like five lines of dialogue it's all environmental atmospheric storytelling the moment to moment is the story it's the same as alien isolation the story in alien isolation is garbage but like 
the moment to moment is fucking great. And the story of the game ultimately is like, Oh, remember that time that there were two aliens chasing me and I didn't die. That was cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there are cool moments in this game though. I mean, and I can think of several, like, like, uh, in the castle, I opened the door and I like fell out. It was basically on a cliffside. I was like hanging on the doorknob and then uh, somehow Jennifer got back in and it let me keep playing. But then I was chased, being chased by Scissor Man later and I was completely lost. And I ran up to that door forgetting what it was. And the same thing happened, but Scissor Man fell out and died. And like, oh, crazy. Scissor Man died that way. And like, <laughs> that was tight. And you know, there's moments where you like walk into a room and there's like, a pile of child skeletons that was kind of cool and there's a chapel scene that looks kind of cool and you know the computer thing with all the kill that was awesome uh and i think the second scenario is a bright spot in this game i think if they were all bite-sized scenarios like the second one this game would be like really fucking cool i would love to see like a little bite-sized clock tower side scroller type spiritual sequel if it was like all like chapter two in like smaller places that would be awesome yeah i just i just hate how this game plays and i know i i totally accept that it's partially me because i was thinking about later and i was like i've only played two games in this style this game and night cry and Mm. i really really hated both of them i think it works great in 2d and then i really i'm a big apologist slash fan of clock tower three uh which Mm has normal survival horror like third person action controls um i think that game is great that's the capcom uh, one or like capcom and it's Hudson it's the capcom it. one uh, i'm excited to do that game because a it's great b it's underappreciated and c technically i don't know actually how much input he had but technically it is directed or co-directed by kinji fukasaki aka the legendary japanese filmmaker who made two of my favorite movies of all time which are battle royale and battles without honor or humanity oh that's um, which is yeah long-running series of yakuza movies that are like one of my biggest artistic influences Mm. he basically made like the japanese godfather and uh yeah technically he like directed that game but i have no idea what the fuck he did and it was like right it was like the year he died really weird wow yeah so get ready for that sidebar whenever we talk about that game interestingly enough clock tower three is actually the fourth clock tower game yeah put that in your pipe and smoke it (laughs) but it is we talked about this the other day in the discord it is clock tower three everywhere because the game that's labeled Clock Tower 2 in America is not numbered in Japan. <laughs> so I love it. So everybody caught up. Everything worked out in the end. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a thing where I don't like this style. And it partially is the speed. Because, okay, get ready for this, friendo. Uh, Nightcry <laughs> runs at like the same speed as this game. Perfect. Perfectly emulated. <laughs> it's so bizarre because i mean the graphics suck in that game but they're clearly like modern 3d and then like you start the like chase sequence and your character is like janky slow-mo running and it's like hell yes excuse I love me it. what yeah ma- hey maybe you're that <laughs> one in a million you know i wonder if clock tower two slash three 
made it any more snappy. Because I, I think it is still point and click, but I have no experience with that game. It looks the same. I've seen like just little video clips of it. It looks exactly the same, just with uh, different characters. I think it has a weird mecha- like Jekyll and Hyde kind of mechanic. Mm. Um, I don't think they really changed the core gameplay, though. I can't wait till we play it next week. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> no, nope. We got to space these pieces of shit out because I'm really losing my put faith the, in humanity. Put that one on the back burner for a while. Yeah, it's this. This is one of those. I was talking about this also in the Discord that like sometimes with video games, I just play one I really don't like, and then it really just makes me never want to play video games again. And <laughs> This was what I had to turn right around and jump right into Galarian's after playing this because I was like, I need to play something that I know I like. You need some like, life affirming video game shit. Yeah, well, I played. I was playing Galarian's and I finished Disco Elysium because I was like, yeah, life affirming. That's what I needed <laughs> because my summation of this game is: this game is a void, only enjoyed by extremely ill people who want to hurt themselves. I see no other value or use for this game besides digitally assisted self-harm. Well, on that note, I'm going to go stick needles into my crotch and play Clock Tower PlayStation. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't like shitting on games like and that's why I keep trying to be more reasonable about it. Like I sound like you're enjoying yourself. I'm not <laughs> like I, angry it's got gamer. The, it's got the Argento thing. I get it. And at the time, I'm sure it was impressive. I get it. The basic idea of like a slasher movie simulator is cool. People have been trying to do this forever. I mean, they did it with Until Dawn, right? Like at, at its core, it's the same idea. I get it. I just. I just don't like how this game plays and I just don't, I don't think it works. Like it's not really fully playable to me. That's kind of the bottom line, you know? Question. Would you rather play this or Alan Wake? I was waiting for you to ask that because I would rather play Alan Wake. You heard it here first kids. Wow. Okay. We finally crossed that bridge. <laughs> it really made me rethink my stance on Alan Wake. Like, ah, maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> I'd rather play this than Alan Wake. Yeah. I mean, what's your bottom line? Tell me what you think. Clock Tower is both one and a half stars and four stars at the same time. Put that in your yeah. pipe and smoke it. No, that, that makes total sense to me. Like... As long as you're willing to admit this game honks, like I'm I'm willing to accept that you love it. Yeah. It's not like the room of horror games. It's um I don't know. The Manos, the Hands of Fate of horror games. <laughs> well, what's the difference between those two besides the year they were released? Manos the Hands of Fate, uh, it has a pacing issue. If you've never watched it. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. It's very slow. Okay. And every line is just painfully like lingered on. Yeah. The room is a lot snappier. And I, hey, I like the room better. So there you go. Mm. 
See, I couldn't sit through the room, but I've watched Manos maybe twice. <laughs> yeah, I love the room. I've watched it more than once. I need to give it another chance one of these days. I really think that the way I saw it the first time was kind of perfect because I went to a midnight showing at a theater and it was like right when it was starting to get really popular mm. so it had its diehards but like I had never even heard of it right my friend oh, was nice. just like we got to go see this movie I was like sure and so like the whole front row were people who were like diehards who would yell stuff like whenever he'd say oh hi mark everyone would yell oh hi mark or oh, like he says that more than once he says it a bunch of times <laughs> Um, or like in the in the titular room there's like this really shitty painting of a spoon that is weirdly in a lot of shots like it's very prominently featured in many of the shots and it's just a really weird thing to have as a decoration in a room and even weirder to like feature it so every time it would be on screen uh, they'd yell spoon and throw plastic spoons at the screen like I'm usually not into stuff like that but the that whole environment and atmosphere combined with like just the complete piece of shit movie we were watching. I was like, (laughs) okay, I get it. This is a 10 out of 10 garbage fire. Nice. Well, but yeah, I mean, I liked Birdemic and it was sort of the same thing. Just a total garbage (laughs) fire. (laughs) Yeah. Birdemic is kind of on another level. I think Birdemic's actually a lot worse and like more extreme, which is kind of what makes it even more impressive. Birdemic is just like, how did you fucking make this? <laughs> yeah, like there, there was like real dedication there. Yeah. Could you imagine sitting down to edit that, and like putting the, the untold hours it takes to edit a feature film and like never once stopping and being like, this ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> all that CGI, all for yeah. now. So cool, actually. I love that. That person's like a maniac, you know? Yeah. Just like... Sizzy, our old pal Sizzy. <laughs> the OG maniac. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we already committed to doing Night Cry pretty soon. So. I can't wait to play the rest of these games. I love them. Clock Tower 3 is really good. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm excited to play that again. But, I mean. <sighs> Yeah, we'll see with those other two. Oh, one last thing. This game is like almost $100. Gamers. Yeah. I, I still want my copy. God, remember you were trying to use Patreon money for that? Oh. <laughs> Please donate so I can get a copy of this no. shitty fucking game. Please. If you fucking do that, I'm taking you to small claims court. You're not spending <laughs> our money on that. On behalf of all the patrons, you're going to sue me for the $89 to get back. Hell yeah, dude. It won't even be because we want it. It'll be because you're wrong. (laughs) Can I at least keep the PlayStation mouse? (laughs) No. (laughs) God damn it. Game Club. Uh, Game Club. PlayStation mouse month begins. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what else you could use the mouse with. Yeah, probably like just weird shit. Speaking of weird shit. Um, We're playing Galerians next great ps1 game maybe we'll have the inverted version of this episode next episode we'll see oh like where i hate it yeah (laughs) hmm 
I, I've kept my opinion to myself for this entire episode because nice. I don't want to. I don't want to color my thoughts. I'm about okay. an hour into it, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Cool. After that, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition. <laughs> I can't wait. You're gonna play the TV edition. I'm gonna play the old PC edition. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing about this game for years, and I was just like, I'll wait for it to be done. You know, little did I know that'd be like seven years. So <laughs> here we fucking are. I'm psyched. Yeah, I love this game. Absolutely love it. It's not strictly horror, but I think it's horror adjacent. It's very dreamy. It's very uh, Lynchian. Uh, mm. It's very Kubrickian. I can't wait to crack it open again. I'm going to start over. Fucking nice. Nice.